Welcome to another edition of the SoxProspects.com podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield. With me this week is uh, Matt Eagle. Matt, hello. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good, good. It's uh, March 15th. We are uh, probably about halfway through, maybe a little more than halfway through spring training at this point. Um, probably halfway through minor league spring training is, is the way we'll put it. And uh, we're just checking in this week with a season preview podcast of sorts. Uh, Matt and I will go through some of the hot stories so far from spring training and some things that um, have come out of there. And we'll look at some uh, intriguing camp battles and how they bear on players who've come up through the minor league system. And uh, that'll probably be it for this week because we'll have a big one coming up soon as uh, Matt and the rest of the crew will be heading down to Fort Myers next weekend. Um, Matt, uh, on a scale of one to uh, saying things that I can't say on this podcast, uh, how excited are you for this trip? Um, I guess I would say very close to things that you can't say on this podcast right now. Yeah, um, yeah it'll be my first time down there, so I'll be the rookie. Okay. And uh, and uh, I know you can't make it, but it should be uh, a great time. We're actually heading down this Tuesday, Tuesday night, so I'll be there till uh, Sunday. Nice. Must be nice. Although yep. I'm on spring break right now, so I can't really complain. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's it's that's a nice road trip. Um, yeah, I was just talking to John Mioli, and uh, although he could not hop on the podcast, he basically said that the only thing he would have been able to add anyway is uh, how excited he is for this trip that you guys are going on. So um, it'll be uh, Mike, Chris, Mellon, not me, John, Matt, and uh, is that it or is Singer going? Singer and Singer. Uh, Ian Cundall. Oh, Ian Cundall, too. All right, so we're going to have a huge yep. contingent down there. Yep, six, yep. It's going to be like a giant Sox Prospects party Yeah. At, uh, down at the fort. So look forward to uh, getting you guys' reports from down there. Um, but in the meantime, certainly plenty to talk about coming out of spring training. Um, mostly, it seems like the biggest stories in spring training so far have either been injury-based, uh, in the case of David Ortiz, and earlier on in camp, like Napoli, even though he's back, um, and the prospects, um, just the the fact that these guys are really kind of showing off uh, what they've got in camp. The the biggest stories out of uh, as far as players playing well have been guys who you would have read about first on SoxProspects.com. So we figured we might as well go through them. But we should probably start. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to call an audible on what I have here in my order. Um, the biggest story right now, in my opinion, uh, Matt, is is Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's pretty much by far the best player performance-wise in camp right now, though, of course, spring training statistics need to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, Say a, a huge, uh, hefty grain. Hefty, several grains, perhaps, even, of salt. Yes. Um, wh- what do we make of this? Uh, have we learned anything we didn't already know about Jackie Bradley um, has anything changed for you? I mean, I know actually my perspective on things has changed a little bit, but might have just been because I was wrong in the first place, not because his performance has changed anything. Uh, what, what can we make of what we're seeing out of Jackie Bradley? Uh, I don't know if, um, you know, as far as scouting and tools and so forth, I wouldn't say we, we've necessarily learned anything we didn't know. You know, like you said, or like we had just said, the spring training stats are a lot closer to meaningless than than uh, any actual indicator of, of success in the future, you know, guys like Darnell McDonald dominated last spring. There's countless examples like that, but I think, you know, it does show a, a certain level of poise and, uh, being able to handle the pressure, you know, his first, his first major league camp, he's getting tons of playing time and obviously, you know, going, uh, light lights years ahead of what anyone expected. Really. He's pretty much, out of players with regular playing time, he's he's batting the highest at 484 right now, 590 OBP. Just uh, you know, otherworldly numbers. But you know, obviously, those those can only be counted so much. But um, you know, the defense has been outstanding, and John Farrell's assessment of him has been really positive, and that's been really uh, good good to see, good to hear. So I, I don't know. I think I know. Chris Mellon has been really high on him since he first saw him. And I think we've sort of been, been touting him as last year went along. So I wouldn't necessarily say anything's changed from what we believed last year, but it sort of uh, proves exactly what, uh, what we we've been thinking really. 
Yeah, I, I guess we're, what I've really been surprised about is the amount of playing time he's getting. Um, at this point in spring training, he has, um, at least according to baseball reference, which could be wrong, um, 36 plate appearances, which looking quickly, I believe, is the most on the team. Um, part of that has obviously been that he's been healthy the whole time um, and that, you know, as a younger guy, he's you know probably ready to go a little quicker than some of the older guys who come into camp and have to ramp up a bit. But, you know, to me, you know, and I was on Twitter saying this a little while ago, I thought for sure he was ticketed to double A. Um, he was a guy who did not have a, a ton of at bats last year in double A. He was there for about half a season. They were not, he, you know, didn't exactly dominate. He didn't do poorly necessarily, but he, he had 270 plate appearances and he hit 271. Um, you know, the number, the slash line was fine, but wasn't dominating like he was in Salem. Um, but I think that that said, it's very clear that he's going at this point. It's very clear he's going to Pawtucket, um, to me at least. Uh, and I, th- I think you agree. I think we all kind of agree on that at that at this point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I remember when like you were you were tweeting some stuff about that um, about going to Portback. <laughs> yeah, and I definitely I definitely agreed with you at the time. But um, you know, as it's gone along, not just I think like you said, not really so much the results but the fact that he's been in there so much and pretty much you know when Jacoby Ellsbury hasn't been in center field it's been Bradley uh pretty much all the time so Bradley and Mitch Mitch Mayer yeah yeah other guy it's been those three right so so I mean yeah like you said I think he leads in in play appearances or right up there at the top and I I don't I yeah I can't see him going back to double a at this point even though I I would have said coming into spring that uh that that was almost almost locked in mm-hmm. and the, the question on everybody's mind and the thing that there's a there's a big discussion of it on our forum right now about this and it seems like it's the discussion in the boston media too is that with david ortiz head to the dl does jackie bradley make the major league team coming out of spring training and there's arguments for and against but i, I don't know about you i think i think it's kind of crazy to say that he's going to make the team out of spring training but I, I don't know what do you what do you think about that yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, if that if that were the case, then you'd be talking, I guess, him in left field. I don't. I mean, maybe you could move Victorino to left and put him in right. I, I obviously don't think they're going to move Jacoby uh, this year. And then, so then you have your best outfielder, defensive outfielder in left field. It seems like a waste of of you know his best tools. Um, and and also just there's no reason to rush him. We don't know. Uh, what if this team is going to be competitive yet? Um, you know, once he gets back to AAA, that'll be a better gauge of exactly how legitimate those spring training statistics were. And you know, you get a month, month and a half of him tearing the cover off Pawtucket, then you're definitely talking about how you can fit him onto this roster. But uh, but at this point, there's just no point. You know, the the um, there's also the service time considerations, which people have brought up, and then you know other people like to argue that's only for low budget teams like the Rays or whoever that have to worry about service time. But that's, that's ludicrous. I mean, if we could have Jacoby Ellsbury for one more year, I mean, if the Red Sox could have Jacoby Ellsbury for one more year, um, you know, that would, that would make a total difference or if they'd lost him before this year, you know? So it's not just the fact that they're, they're the, the money that they, they have to extend. It's just all the uh, strategic differences that a year of control can make exactly exactly and i think the that that's that's that argument i think it gets misconstrued um to me the thing is is that i mean everyone agrees if he comes up he has to play every day there's no point in bringing him up to ride the bench so in order for him to come up he needs to be pretty much for certain better than what the red sox will get out of say daniel nava in left field right now which right. you know to the, the only thing going for bringing him up now and this is this is if you put it this way, I think it's pretty clear. The only argument for putting him in the majors right now is based on his performance during spring training. That's it. Right. That's the only thing. If you look at anything he did last year, it, it makes no sense. He, it, he he just wasn't ready. And like, yeah, he may have he may have improved in the off season. That's that's entirely possible and likely. You know, he worked on his game. He 
you know, got healthy after, or not healthy, but, you know, he was a little tired down the stretch last year. He's a little rejuvenated, but I'm not ready to put him in the majors based on a 35 at bat or plate appearance sample in, in spring training against guys grooving fastballs. Right, exactly. That's the biggest thing is it's still the first half of spring training when they're, you know, working mostly with the fastball at that point. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the first pitch home run he hit the other day when he was leading off, I think it was, uh, let's see here on my handy little chart, I think it was the 11th, so that would be four days ago, that would have been Tuesday, let off the game with a home run. Great. I mean, in spring training, first pitch of the game, pretty sure he's getting a fastball there. I'm pretty right. sure he knew he was getting a fastball there. He's a smart guy, you know, it's, yeah, it's great that he was able to then drive it for a home run, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but... I'm not, you know, freaking out quite yet either. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd rather see him make the jump from double A to Pawtucket, which based on the number of at-bats he has is enough of a jump as is. That's aggressive enough. Uh, I, I just don't think – I think it would be silly to put him in the majors right now. To me, the other reason you don't put him in the majors is because even if Ortiz is on the DL, you've got to figure out, as we'll talk about later on, from this group of Ryan Sweeney, Lyle Overbay, Mike Carp. Um, who else were we saying? Um, Mitch, Mitch Meyer. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah like of Maybe. those guys, you get to keep two and see what you've got. Right. It's yeah. You got to manage your, your options and, and, uh, and, and keep, keep the guys that don't have options if possible. I mean, to start the season on a potentially, you know, a team that's, that wants to be competitive but we don't know that really has to prove it I, I just you know I think it's more important to to keep to hold on to as many players as possible at that point mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly and I think you know especially if Ortiz is only going to be out for a week or two I just don't see the point of bringing Bradley up that quick to be to be to be honest um but yeah I, I just you know we we the, he has moved to number two on the site in our prospect ranking uh, we should probably make clear that that's not just because of how the spring went. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think we were kind of split we were. on that. I know Mellon actually had him at two anyway. I did I did and too. yeah, I, I think I had him at, when we did in the offseason, I had him at three, but right before spring training, I was sort of leaning towards him at two anyway. So it sort of, uh, it fell in line with that. So it worked out. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the, the top tens that came out in the offseason, I think, were kind of split on him versus Barnes in that number two spot. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was kind of one of those things where we were leaning either way to begin with. So no, it sounds, it sounds kind of weak to say, put it that way now, but it's the truth. We swear. Yeah. Um, no, I remember actually on the, when we did the, the winner, uh, podcast, I mm -hmm. said that, uh, that there was very close between him and Barnes and I sort of gave Barnes the edge because he was a pitcher. So, I mean, uh, you know, it, it was, it was always really, uh, neck and neck between those two. It still is, really. I it mean, is. let's it not is. forget that. And it's, t it's tough. I mean, we, we might as well, you know, this seems like kind of a natural transition. I know it wasn't necessarily what we were going to talk about next, but um, we wanted to mention Matt Barnes. Uh, of the top five prospects on the, on the website right now, uh, Matt Barnes seems like the kind of the forgotten man right now. You've got Xander Bogarts, who was in camp and who uh, went to the World Baseball Classic. He's been playing for the Netherlands, who have advanced to the semifinals of the World Baseball Classic. Um, and I think they play uh, the Dominican in the semifinals, I believe. Um, and then Japan gets whoever wins between the U.S. and Puerto Rico. Um, but he's been playing third base, at least until this point. And, uh, you know, we just mentioned Bradley. We're going to get to Alan Webster and Ruby De La Rosa, who they're kind of the new sparkly, shiny toys in camp. But Matt Barnes is the forgotten man. I think we'd be kind of remiss to forget about him just because of the way all four of those guys have looked so far this spring. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, especially the the two pitchers, uh, Webster and De La Rosa, have really sort of uh, attracted the attention away from him. I mean, I think that's mainly, though, because they're pitching in the major league games, obviously. They're closer majors. And, you know, there's always an argument to be made that that, that should sort of uh, weigh in their favor and uh, – give them a higher prospect status but you know we see Barnes as as the the best prospect right now and that I mean I think a lot of that can be attributed to his fastball command versus the other 
two pitchers. And I mean, it just can't be understated enough how important fastball command, being able to move it uh, up and down side to side, you know, is, is just so important for a starting pitcher. It can be like, you know, four different pitches, that sort of thing. And uh, I think, you know, we'll see at Portland this year that it'll be a big, big year for him, whether he can sort of keep up with uh, those, those other two pitchers uh, as far as in the upper major, upper minors. And I mean, I think, you know, with De La Rosa, he's coming back from Tommy John and Alan Webster. And you talk about both of them improving their command this spring, but they have still have to sort of prove it, prove that they can command it as well as Barnes has already showed, even in, in the lower uh, tiers of the system. So I think they still have more approved from that perspective. But um, but since they're major league camp, they're, they're obviously getting a lot more attention. Yeah, and I think the thing with Barnes is that, you know, what he has to work on is kind of those secondary pitches. The fastball is already outstanding. It's already, I think, on baseball prospectuses, Preview they rated it as seven, and I think that's probably where Chris would uh, would have put it as well. And since you know, he kind of is baseball prospectus now. Um, At least yeah, for the Red Sox, he went, cor- he went corporate. Yeah, um, but you know, he also flashed the change up and flashed the curve last year. It's not consistent yet, but it's there with the potential for both of those to be solid average. I think is a fair statement to make. Um, yeah, I and I think yeah, I mean, I think on the changeup it gets a little underrated. Um, he didn't throw it as much, and I think, I mean, I don't think it was anywhere uh, great last year, but I think it does have good potential to it. And I've heard a lot of sort of buzz around it, um, imp- looking improved so far this spring. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, who knows? I mean, Keith Law kind of was the outlier in his ranking of the system, where he had Barnes, I think, fourth in the system. Um, had Barnes way down. I don't know if did he leave Barnes off of his top 100 or just put him really low. I think he left him off. Um, I think it was just low. Was he just low? Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, where most people, you know, most uh, top 100s have had Barnes in the top 40. 50. If, yeah. Yeah, 40 to 60. Yeah, yeah. Well, the top four. I mean, some have had him in the 20s. Um, I don't even yeah. remember which, but. Um, I think that, you know, sure, Keith Law could be very right. Like, the secondary stuff might not come around. And, you know, if that is a he's a fastball pitcher and that's all he's got. But, I mean, I think even at that point, you've got the fastball alone, I think, make, could make him a seventh, eighth inning guy. Um, and that's if nothing else develops at this point. Um, being able to command a fastball like that uh, can certainly be a useful thing. Uh, whereas, you know, if you look at a guy like De La Rosa – if he can't get that command down, I'm not sure what you've got there. Um, you know, if he's if he's thrown it and has no idea where it's going, that's not, uh, you know, nearly as useful. So um, I, th- I think the moral is just to not sleep on Matt Barnes. 79 is where Keith Law had Barnes. 79, all right. All right. Well, I mean, hey, if, you, if you're Definitely down low, on someone but... and have them 79th best prospect in baseball, that's... Yeah, it's not, it's yeah, not, that's not too nothing shabby. to complain about. Yeah. Um, and we're, so let's move on to the other two pitchers then, the ones we have seen. Um, I think that one is really starting to break away from the other, but Alan Webster and Ruby De La Rosa were the two pitchers the Red Sox acquired from the Dodgers in the Nick Punto deal last August. Um, both are on the 40-man roster now. Uh, both have been kind of – I think part of the reason they've been such a revelation in camp is that no one knew who the heck they were in, before then. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, um, non-prospect followers, kind of assumed it was a, a just a money dump, and and maybe they were all right prospects, but not not to this level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, I think Webster is kind of exceeding my expectations for him in this camp. Um, I would agree. Yeah, he basically has gone out, and I mean, has he even hit a rough patch yet? Uh, Don't think so. Yeah, I mean, he has just gone out. I've got the numbers right here. Um, he has thrown, uh, 11 innings, four appearances, uh, he's 14, given, 14 strikeouts. Yeah. 14 strikeouts to one walk, yeah. uh, nine hits, three runs, two of them earned. Uh, the ERA is one, six, four, uh, opposing OPS is five fifty, Uh, and that's even with an average on balls in play of three twenty. So it's not that he's getting lucky. Um, he, I think it's safe to say, has been dominant. 
Uh, and and yeah. that's against, you know, that's against spring training guys. So again, to the degree that it matters, um, he has been, he's been dominant. Uh, very clearly at this point going to be in the Portland, in the, sorry, Pawtucket rotation. Um, I think he, if this were to continue, he's got a chance to move. Um, apparently the Red Sox have made a mechanical tweak or two to help him try and get his control in order. And if, if the control's there, I think he could, could pass Barnes and maybe even Bradley for me. Um, I, I, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on his potential? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, well, I could see him passing Barnes. Um, that doesn't seem out of question, especially with the um, Barnes uh, transition into to upper minors to double A. See how that goes. I mean, it could Bar- this year for Barnes could go a couple different ways. I mean, it'll be interesting to see definitely for him how he makes that jump. But um, um, I don't know in terms of passing Bradley. I guess it's hard to compare pitchers to position players sometimes, but um, I suppose it, it could be a possibility if, if he just dominated. But uh, who knows? Jackie Bradley could lose his prospect status before then anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's Fair. a possibility, but... Fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far, like you said, I think they made some mechanical tweaks, which, uh, you know, sounds, sounds good. I mean, that was his, uh, the command issues with the fastball were his biggest weakness we heard. And, uh, I think they were saying he's pitching more from moved on the rubber, I think to the center, center center of the rubber, which is interesting. It sounds like they're kind of, um, encouraging him to, you know, obviously he wants to keep the fastball down, but sort of just throw it not to the middle of the plate, but more, you know, not be so worried about hitting the corners as much because it has so much life on it to just uh, throw it for strikes more often in in the lower tier of the strike zone. So obviously that could be a a big step for him. And you know, I, he it was he played mostly is it shortstop in in it high was school, a right? Shortstop in high school. It's not even that he played shortstop; it's that he barely pitched. Right. So there's a lot of uh, there isn't a lot of mileage on the arm, which is a, still a lot to learn. So right. It right. does when you hear about these little adjustments. I take more weight, or or um, however you want to say it, with uh, with someone like that who who really you know could could be learning the ropes for the first time in some ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Uh, the reason I say I think he could pass Bradley, and this is something that I'm going to use what you've said uh, before the podcast against you. Um, maybe not against you, but, you know, with Bradley, I think there there's only so far before he hits his ceiling. He's already a gold glove caliber center fielder. So, I mean, I don't know how much better you want him to get there. Um, I think the improvements will come at the plate. You know, how many, he's not going to hit for a ton of power. Um, there's some doubles power and maybe, you know, 15, 20 at his peak home runs, if that. Um, but to me, if Webster is able to put it all together, you're talking maybe a number two. And to me, that's just so valuable. I mean, we're seeing it now. I think I think Red Sox fans kind of took for granted for a while the that they had an ace at the front of the rotation. It seemed like every year. The story was, oh, we've got, you know, three aces in the rotation. And then, you know, last year and at the end of, you know, 2011, we see, oh, well, you know, if you don't have those aces at the front, uh, you know, you're not really going anywhere, uh, at least as a playoff team. And uh, I, I think if he's able to maybe become a fr- – like, I'm not, I'm not throwing an ace tag on Webster by any stretch yet, but um, I, I, if he can become a number two type pitcher – I think that that could just be, yeah, you know, outstanding. That said, I know that right now I'm really dreaming on the numbers in spring training, which is a terrible thing to do, and I just told people to not do. But it's fun, so whatever that's worth. Yeah, I mean, I think I yeah, like I agree with what you're saying on Bradley, and you can sort of see um, he doesn't seem like a type of player that has a huge ceiling, you know, with the tools. But I do kind of think that you know he just has that. Um, that sort of X factor, that that baseball player, uh, just you know, he's just born to be a baseball player type type mentality that that could really make him sort of exceed his tools to to a level that uh, you know, sort of like a Dustin Pedroia type. Not that you know he's not going to put up those exact numbers per se, but uh, you know, just the type who 
who really uh, exceeds those tools to the to the point that uh, maybe his ceiling is, is potentially higher than it would it would look just based on everything you can read about him. Mm-hmm. Fair, that's fair. Um, all right, and I guess the the last major guy we should hit on from camp, um, of course, is Ruby De La Rosa. We had a, the other player that the Red Sox got from the Dodgers. Technically not a prospect, but. RedSoxProspects.com aren't bound by your silly rules world. So <laughs> exactly. We anyway. um, and I we, think know, that, we know what a prospect really is and isn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we know, in the words of a Supreme Court justice, we know it when we see it. Right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, the kind of jokes you make when you go to law school. Yeah, anyway, there it is. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, Ruby De La Rosa, I think people were getting a little excited about him at the beginning of camp. When he came out and was throwing, you know, what was he at ninety eight, ninety nine? Did he hit hundred? Yeah, hundred. Uh, I don't remember, but I don't remember if right he up there. Not, but yes. I mean, he can. And but the thing to me that was strange is that 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 wasn't anything we didn't know. Right. You know, when Alan Webster goes out and hits ninety eight, ninety nine on a gun, even if it's juiced, okay, yeah, we didn't. Maybe we didn't know he had that, but right. We, we knew De La Rosa could hit triple digits. This was no secret. Um, and then sure enough, in his last couple of starts, De La Rosa has been, you know, getting tagged a little bit. He's maybe not tagged, but he's, he's in, in six and two thirds innings. He's got five walks at this point, six hits. He's given up eight runs, seven earned. Um, so he's starting to get, you know, hit touched a little bit. Um, and those are in shorter stints too. Shorter stints. Cause he's going no more than two innings at a time. Although one of them, um, was shortened because he couldn't get out of it. Uh, before he hit his pitch count. But right. I, I think the thing we need to keep in mind is this is a guy that's coming off Tommy John surgery who had command issues before the Tommy John. Um, right. Expecting him. I think, you know, now that I've kind of thought about things and we've seen what he's done and so far in spring training, I think expecting him to contribute in the majors this year is a bit of a pipe dream. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I don't. Because of the innings limit thing, especially, yes. I, I think they're going to – I think we think the plan is for them to sort of piggyback him or, or maybe uh, have someone piggyback on him uh, after he goes two innings. I don't know if there is much thought to start ramping him up. Like I don't know if they're going to start doing three or four innings or if it's just going to be mostly I think now that I, now that I think of it, I think the two-inning plan was just for spring training. Yeah, I mean, I assume they want to yeah. get him a few more than that. Because but. we did the math, and if they held him, or I did the math, but if they held him to five-inning stints and he pitched and he made like 22 starts or 24 starts and he was able to pitch five innings every time out, that would be right around where they want him innings-wise. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's going to have to ramp up to even those five innings. So I could see him maybe his first couple, you know, his for, for the first month ramping up to five and then just going five the rest of the way. Yeah, um, something like that. They'll probably play it by ear a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if they're in contention and they need an arm out of the bullpen at the end, then maybe. But right, yeah, it depend on a lot of factors. But I, I could see that, but just not not unless he was really, you know, really looked good. Obviously, they needed him, and uh, they didn't think the innings limits were a concern or or the injury. So, you know, obviously that's a lot of uh, ifs right there. So, but it's but it's not out of the question. Mm-hmm. He's. He, He's on the forty man, so that that sort of gives him a a leg up. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. You don't have to make room on the forty for him when they've got kind of a tight forty man situation at the moment. Um, although that it's, said, I'll I'll say it again. They shouldn't have put Hassan on the damn forty man. But whatever. Yeah, that's a head scratcher. Yeah. Um, anyway, I digress. You were you were saying about De La Rosa? Yeah, I mean, I think um, in a lot of ways, is he's he's really an unknown unknown. Uh, product at this point i mean with the tommy john and before that he he had the call up to the dodgers where he, he uh you know he had a 371 era in 60 innings um or 60 and two-thirds but you know i think in some ways it's a bad thing you don't really know but on the other hand it, he really kind of has the highest ceiling out of any of these pitchers because of the stuff because of the fact that uh he can hit up a hundred with a plus to better change up already. And the fact that, uh, we haven't seen him pitch. Our scouts haven't seen him pitch yet. And, uh, you know, it, it's really, he was still growing when he, he got the Tommy John surgery. So 
it's been a year plus since then. So we'll see where the command is is now, and and this season will be big for him coming back from that. Yeah, I mean these guys. I'm I'm actually really excited to hear what um, you guys see out of these guys when you're when you're down there in the fort. Um, it's part of why I'm so upset <laughs> that I can't uh, that I can't be down there with you. But um, but yeah. Um, I think it's uh, that said, you know, looking at these guys, and of course, we're I don't think we've even mentioned Xander Bogarts yet, have we? No, um, so I mean, you know, just the top prospect in the system, he's been uh, has he been a consensus top 10 prospect? I think I'm trying to think of who's even rated him below 10. Um, maybe top 15 is more fair. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of it. I know I've seen him up by at four, I think. BA had him at what eight? I think. Yeah, BA had him at uh, eight. I think. I th- I'm trying to think of what Baseball Prospectus had. Keith him Law had him at five. I think yeah. Baseball Prospectus had him at. No, I think Baseball Prospectus Sickles had him, had him at... at four. I think Prospectus had him at eight, and Baseball America had him at like five or something. Yeah. So at any rate, more or less consensus top ten prospect in the game, um, which I don't think we even expected. Uh, I thought top 20. I didn't think top 10. But, of course, part of that has to do with who else is in the minors. Um, you know, to me, once you get past maybe, I mean, Jerickson Profar, even with his profile this year, I think he's maybe fifth last year, if not lower, with some of the guys who were who were on that list last year. So it's kind of a year-to-year thing. But Prospectus uh, did have him at 12, by the way. <laughs> okay, they had him at 12. Okay, so clo- yeah. top, consensus top 15, we'll call him. Yeah. Yeah, that's comes fair. into camp. Um, get the Red Sox worked him out at third base. Sorry, I hit my mute button. The Red Sox worked him out at third base, which was kind of the um, the big story at first. Um, but they were only playing him there because for the Netherlands, he was going to play third base in the World Baseball Classic. Um, he's been starting at third base for the first couple of pool rounds. Um, however, uh, Jerks and Profar is going to be joining uh, the Dutch team for the semifinals and finals, uh, meaning that Jonathan Shoup is going to get moved from second to third and Bogarts is going to go to the bench. Um, I'm presuming he'll see duty as a pinch hitter. Um, although in theory he could DH, but we'll see. Um, but at any rate, uh, you know, has acquitted himself relatively well. Um, not eye popping stats, but uh, it's, it's just kind of funny that, you know, beginning of camp, he was all the rage. And then now it seems like he's been, you know, for, completely forgotten about now that he's not in front of our faces every day. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll what, be what good. You, I think, think. I think. I think he'll actually be getting back to camp right when we get there. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely made the World ba- Baseball Classic more exciting. Uh, you know, I've been looking for the Netherlands games over like the USA games. So, um, you know, I, I, um, I think some of his it, it, he hasn't looked particularly. Um, as great as maybe stats would uh, would show at the plate, some some sort of blue pits, that sort of thing, and uh, you know, not not a, a uh, you know a, a super advanced uh, approach at the plate, but you know pretty much what we expected. Uh, and yeah, I've got I've got the numbers right here. He's five for nineteen with a couple of doubles, um, three walks which is more than he had in his entire time in double-A last year, uh, to three strikeouts, which is good. Yeah, that's um, But that said, he's been very aggressive, so that's probably part – I mean, he's able to put the bat on the ball when he's aggressive. Um, that said, you know, hasn't been, you know, exactly crushing the ball either, um, not hitting for a ton of power, which is why um, Jonathan Shoup will be – who's got a couple of home runs will be moving over to third when Profar shows up. Um, I think we see from the approach, though, that he definitely needs some more time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of glad this has hap- that he's been playing like this over there because I think maybe it'll pump the brakes a little on the, oh, call Bogarts up this year, which was starting to happen before he left. Yeah. Which was even weirder than calling up Bradley. At least Bradley's going to be a triple-A. Um, you know, it's it's just it's interesting to see how that's kind of slowed down a little uh, and I'm kind of glad for it personally. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I would say so. I think, uh, I think underratedly, he's a little farther behind than people even think he, he didn't have that much time at double a and he's still, he's, you know, he's one of the youngest players in, in all of double a when he got promoted, he was like, I think he was second or third youngest. Um, 
you know, so he could definitely use yeah, he was, maybe... He, he was the youngest hitter, and the only reason he wasn't the youngest player is because Dylan Bundy got promoted the day before. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, I think he could use a whole year in Portland, really, and then next year maybe start talking about how close he is to majors, you know, whether it's potentially possible to make it out of uh, out of camp. I mean, that being said, he could tear the cover off the ball and and I mean, I don't potentially get a cup of coffee in September, but I, I highly doubt it. But um, I guess I wouldn't rule it out. I just I don't see it. If if he's staying at shortstop, you've got Iglesias and mm. you've got Drew. Why would he come up in September? Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to play every day unless they're out of contention. Yeah. Yeah. It would have to be a, a stretch, I guess. A lot yeah. of. A lot of things to happen, but and to me, I would rather use that time to see what you've got in Iglesias. You know, in September, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, September for Iglesias is going to be put up or shut up time. You know, yeah, because right. he'll be—he's out of options. Um, this, this whole year, really, yeah. He's going to burn his final option this year, and you know, if he—if he doesn't, I don't know, if he doesn't make it this year, it's—I mean, he's probably gone. Let's be honest here. You know, some other yeah. team's going to take a chance on him, and the Red Sox aren't going to send him to the minors, so. Or they're not going to be able to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of NL teams that would love to have them coming off the yeah. bench at least. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, I, uh, the one other thing I guess I would say on Bogertz and, and the WBC is just his defense at third it's, has looked pretty good, um, You know, especially for not having much time there. It, it seems like that could be potentially his future landing spot. Uh, if I mean, you know, some people, ha- there has been more people in favor of the possibility of him staying at short, it seems, uh, this off season. Uh, but, uh, I think third, it looks like a realistic landing spot otherwise. Right. Right. I mean, I think it's the, the questions are still there. I think people misunderstand when they say, you know, I've seen a lot of the writers get very indignant of, Oh, if you see him play shortstop, you don't think he can handle it. You're, you know, you've never seen him play. No, it, it's right. not that he, it's, it's that he's not, if he's going to be better at third, you know, if it's a better position for him, right? You know, that's the projection. Um, I mean, you have to realize that the, I mean, shortstop at the major league level is the elitest of the elite elite fielders. You know, in right. in all of the game. So, I mean, right. it really takes a special sort of athleticism and fielding skill to be able to stick at that position. Right. No one. No one was saying this. This isn't the same as saying Ryan Lavarnway won't stick at catcher when that was happening. Right. Uh, that that was saying he cannot handle the position. Whereas with with Bogarts, it's yeah, maybe he can he can maybe he can do it if you need him to. Is that uh, really what's best for you? To, yeah, it's just is that what is that really what's best for a winning team is the question. Right. And if he can hack it, which, what's the trade off? Maybe he can. What you know? What's the trade off at that point? Um, mm-hmm. The question I have for you, Matt, is we've we've been talking about the five, top five guys in the system right now. I'm looking at the the rankings, the historical rankings. I'm trying oh, yeah. to see when the last time the system had a top five this good was. I think you at <laughs> least have to go back to April 2010. The top five was Casey Kelly, Josh Reddick, Ryan Kalish, Lars Anderson, who was admittedly a little on the downswing at that point, and Anthony Rizzo. But Rizzo wasn't Rizzo at that point. Um yeah, I mean, I don't think Reddick has the same kind of upside as Bradley or or Floor really at that point. Um, I mean, I take Barnes over. I think I, that's a good question. Casey Kelly over Barnes at that. I guess at that point is more the the question. I, he had just lit it up right uh, in two thousand nine in Greenville and Salem. So I guess it yeah. w- was pretty similar in some ways to Barnes, I guess. But he was a high schooler, so maybe more upside there. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I'm looking maybe let's see, in March twenty two of oh nine, no. September of oh nine was Kelly Reddick, Kalish, Westmoreland, Anderson. That yeah. Been, and I think at some point that off season we moved Westmoreland up to two. Um But before that, I mean you're going back to Like March oh seven. That's that was a, a good one, March oh seven. Yeah. Well, the problem for, is if you're going top five, oh Bryce Cox, yeah. Bryce Cox, which we all saw what happened there. Um, kind of yeah. hilarious when you look at some of these lists, by the way, to see guys. That, yeah, yeah. Maybe September know. '07 is a, is a good one with Jed Lowry at five. Yeah, gotta love seeing like 
David Murphy at 12 behind right. Jason Place and Bryce Cox. Um, Jed Lowry at 19. Yeah. Um, Where's uh, Michael Almanzar? Where's he make his debut oh, on here? Gosh, yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. Michael Almanzar, 8 in 09, March of 09. Hey, there we go. How about that? Moral of the story, sometimes we make mistakes. Yep. It's not a, not a perfect uh, uh, <laughs> science by any, by any means. Well, at any rate, um, the one last thing we wanted to, to, to touch on, and maybe we'll wrap it up after that, is um, you know, spring training. You obviously have everybody loves to talk about the positional battles. Who's going to make the roster? We already talked about that a little bit uh, with Bradley. I think we've kind of said all we need to on that. Uh, but there are some positions where you know prospects we've seen come up through the system are fighting for spots on the roster. Um, I think, you know, one position where I think, and I actually just tweeted about this, I think Daniel Nava has more or less cemented his roster spot, especially with Ortiz on the DL. Um, he's been hitting in the top of the line, top five of the lineup while Drew's been out um, ahead of Johnny Gomes. Um, that said, Victorino's not around either, but um, I think, I think Nava's spot is more or less secure. But uh, for example, at DH, we've seen, for example, Ryan LaVarmway's name floated out there as a potential option to fill in for David Ortiz while he's out. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think about that potential option, Matt? And then I will disagree with you after, most of the time. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, we, we sort of discussed this a little ahead of time, and I had said that I thought maybe it was an option. Uh, you know, I... I don't. I don't know if it's if it's really that realistic, but I kind of like to see it. See him have a chance to get some regular major league at bats. I don't think at this point him playing catcher every day is is um, sort of key to his development like it was maybe last year. You know, I, I'd like to see what his bat can actually do at the major league level. And uh, you know, we've been hearing his bats major league ready. Uh, last year, I kind of took a step back, uh, but you know, we thought uh, that that had probably to do with the fact that he caught so many games for the first time in his career. Um, and he had, I think he had lost a little weight, which might have been bad for the power numbers. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of think it's at some point it's put up or shut up time with him. And, uh, you know, are they going to trade a catcher this season? I, you know, I'm not sure. And if not, then what's his role? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's an intriguing option, but um, I'm I'm not sure how realistic it is. But We'll see as as it gets a little closer, I guess. Yeah, to me, the problem is that I'm not sure that Lavarnway is a better major league hitter right now than Daniel Nava, and the reason that matters is because if Daniel Nava is in left, that means you can DH Johnny Gomes, right. who is not a good fielder. Whereas if you're DHing uh, Lavarnway. And you lose something in the field too. You, so, yeah. you either lose something in the field by putting Gomes out there, or you lose Gomes as bat. Um, you know, granted, probably better as a platoon player. Um, I'm sure, you know, in an ideal world, he's hitting only against, um, uh, God, I'm blanking against lefties, but, yeah. um, as the right-handed side of platoon. But that said, you know, if you can DH him, maybe he hits a little better. I don't know. Maybe you use one of these guys in camp, like a carp. Mm -hmm. or something uh, I just again it goes back to I, I think you're better off keeping as much depth as possible I think you take two out of that carp Sweeney Overbay Meyer group see what you have out of them see who the hot hand winds up being keep the hot hand when Ortiz comes back cut the other one loose um I saw a list the other day sorry go ahead you're, you were about to say something else oh well, I was just I mean just in terms of um you know who has options Ryan Sweeney for instance, has an opt-out, whereas Mitch Myers on a minor league deal, I, I, he might have an opt-out, but I think it's a little later, like in May. Um, you know, Lyle Overbay versus Mike Carp is, is interesting, but I think Carp is more versatile and, and has more upside. So, you know, I, I, I agree that I think, I think the left field DH spot should be sort of a, a Carp Nava Gomes. That, that's what makes the most sense to me. Outside of uh, you know a, a a look at Lavarnway, which you know I'd be interested in, but realistically, I think uh, that those three platooning in those two spots makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's funny. I saw that what I was going to say the the list I saw the other day was of 
non-roster invitees who've made the team out of spring training. And with the exception of, like, Nick Green, they were all gone within a month of the season. You know, just because the team breaks camp with Ryan Sweeney or Matt Lyle Overbay on the roster doesn't mean they're sticking around. You know, right. It's... Yeah, I, I mean, I like the idea of keeping Sweeney because uh, they really don't have a right fielder, backup right fielder or center fielder at that point if they don't. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Nava would be the technically be the backup right fielder, and then you'd put Victorino in center, I guess. Um mm-hmm. But you know that's that's I don't you know I don't like that that much. I think it would be good to have a, a strong defensive outfielder coming off the bench like Ryan Sweeney. Yeah, and I think that's why Mitch Meyer has Meyer has come on. Um, he's he's a strong defensive outfielder. He's as I mentioned, him, uh, Ellsbury, and Bradley are really the only three guys who have played any center field this spring. Um, Meyer has actually played it more than you might realize. Um, you know, just going back, uh, yesterday he played left, he played right the game before, game before he played right, right, center, center and left, center and left, center, 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 right. Um, so they've been, they've been moving him around a bit. Um, and I, I keep this chart of who's played on every, you know, in every game. And, you know, right now the A squad is basically, you know, he's, in that first group of guys that comes off the bench that's fighting for a bench spot with the likes of Overbay, Sweeney, um, you know, Brock Holt, um, Carp, some of these other guys, um, you know, he's in the conversation, I think, uh, you know, I, there's really, I think choosing between him and Sweeney, I think if he's better than Sweeney, you keep Meyer, you know, it's, yeah, it's, if you like him better, um, I don't know that they do. Uh, I saw, read, we read the other day that Meyer has more pop. I disagree completely. Not that Sweeney is Hank Aaron, but um, Meyer doesn't really have more pop. That was kind of a yeah. It seems like a, well, he did hit. Just looking at his minor league numbers, he hit 14 home runs in AAA at one point, 2006. That is more than Sweeney. That's yeah. I mean Sweeney. It's Sweeney's for, not doing double digits anytime soon. So. For a guy, for a guy that's as physically imposing as he is right it's, just, it's like six four right yeah he's he's pretty big he's yeah he's six four two twenty five wow and his season well he hit 13 home runs in triple a in 06 so oh yeah but other than that he had a season with 10 a season with seven and then he's never had more than two season with uh, one yeah yeah i mean he had one in 05 yeah 429 bats so. yeah no he's yeah not, it's crazy. not a lot of power there. Yeah, he's, you'd, you'd think he would just run into 10 alone with his, his frame. and uh... Right. Right. Well, that was yeah. the story Henry Camp is that he worked with, what was it, Rod Carew in the offseason? Yeah, I think, uh, and Magadan kept talking about how he, he thought he could get home runs out of him last year and yeah, stuff. Well, I'll see. That. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I'm not no I'm I'm not expecting anything. Yeah. He did have underratedly though. He did have a really nice start to um last year and uh until he got that concussion. I think it was in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and once it, once he came back from that. I mean I I'm not really blaming on the concussion. I think it was more just coincidence, but uh if you look at the numbers they're like night and day between those uh between when that happened and when he came back. And then, of course, um, I think he broke his hand punching a wall or something yes, like that. So. Yes, he broke his fingers, yeah. Not what you'd expect nope. out of him. Nope. But uh, speaking of concussions, you should probably mention, I don't know how much there is to discuss on this, but Stephen Drew has now been out since, where is he? His last game was on the 7th, so it's been more than a week with a concussion. Potentially could open the season on the DL. I think we can agree if he goes on the DL, at least I think, the move is to start. Jose Iglesias rather than to start Pedro Siriaco or Brock Holt, the two guys fighting for the last, uh, for the infield bench spot. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say so. You're going to use his option anyway, right? So, right. I mean, unless, I mean, if it was like a couple days, maybe not, but, um, you know, it's, I, I think it's impossible to tell concussions. So I, I think I would, I would expect that as well. Yeah. And I mean, that said, you know, they've been giving Siriaco a lot of run um, in spring training. Um, sorry, I hit the cough button there. Uh, you know, it's, it's, no, it's the Sweeney still. Bring me back. Okay, infield, yeah. So Siriaco is 10 for 30 um, on base. Uh, his on-base percentage is lower 
than his batting average because he hasn't taken a walk, and I'm assuming he's got a sack oh. bunt or a oh, sack fly is what he has. Well, wow. um, yeah, his approach is atrocious. Um, yeah, I guess we knew that, right? Unless we're going to open up with 20 consecutive games against the Yankees, I, I don't think you can justify Syriaco starting. Um, Brock yeah, Woods, I mean, yeah, and we were talking about a little bit before about Brock Holt versus Syriaco, if that was a possibility, and. Uh, I don't think we think it is because no. Holt has an option. Syriaco obviously doesn't. Um, but, you know, they both are kind of learning to play third base this spring. So that's the backup third baseman job is sort of uh, up in the air, too. So that could play into that. Yeah, uh, the backup third baseman is going to be, yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those two. But um, it's been interesting because Drew Sutton was getting a lot of run at third base. But then it was like, no, he's getting run at third base because – because that's his position, and he's the only guy that naturally plays there behind the mix in Major League camp. Yeah, I, I think it might have been on Ness, and they were talking about him in the in the mix for for a bench spot. And yeah, I don't think no. that's no. going to happen at all. No, and I mean it's nice. He's a nice story, you know. And we're hearing now that the reason he didn't come back last year because he was in Pawtucket in 2011 and actually got a lot of time in Boston was that basically he didn't want to be in Boston because of the health scare with their child. Didn't they, he lost a child. His, his wife had a kid and, and it, it died unexpectedly like less than a week after it was born. Wow. Uh, no, I didn't hear that. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, Let me I double to... check while you talk to make sure I didn't just make something up. Uh, yeah. That, that would be a bad one to make up, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, he's definitely a guy, a good guy to, yes. I think a good guy to have in, in minors um, and a good you know, potential emergency option. Didn't he bat what cleanup for the Tampa Bay at one point last year, and then they ended up like designating him for assignment like a month after that or something? Right, right. Uh, He's a useful player uh, as right. depth, and that's depth, not yeah. a bad thing. Um, yeah, and I did. It, it was his. They had him and his wife had a daughter that died unexpectedly uh, a week after. So for reasons you can understand, he wanted to get out of Boston. Um, and it was actually he he was on maternity leave from Pawtucket and instead of going back to Pawtucket he got called up to Boston so that is what in life we call a whirlwind uh, mm-hmm. of emotion so how about um, I just I just thought of something to, to add on how about uh, Daniel Bard do you think uh, what do you think his chances of starting with the Major League team are better with Morales and Breslow apparently about to start on the DL uh, mm-hmm. news came out today that Franklin Morales has a bulging disc in his back he received yeah. a shot for it, uh, no timetable for his return, um, which, you know, one side effect is that I think Alfredo Aceves is going nowhere. But um, the other thing, you know, with him and Breslow apparently going to start the year on the DL, Bard's got a shot, but I think the bullpen winds up shaking down with Hanrahan, Bailey, uh, Uahara as the closer and two main setup guys. Uh, Tazawa and Miller as the middle inning guys, Aceves as the long guy, and then Clay Mortensen steals that last spot. Um, I think yeah, I don't know. Onto him. I think I, I kind of lean towards he'll if if he um if it seems like he's been uh, better recently since he had that little break from from this game action. Yeah, Bard. Yes. Um, I I think I think he. Uh, like our projection right now has him in Pawtucket, but I think he has a good shot to start with major league team. I mean, as much as you know, he sent down last year, so it's not exactly um, like unheard of. But uh, I think getting sent down this year would shake his confidence a lot more. So that was sort of a weird situation for the starting last year, and if he gets sent down this year, I I don't know if it'll be as productive because I, I personally don't think it's as much of a I mean, obviously, it manifests itself physically, but I think it's more of a, a mental issue, and uh, I think that'll just be worse for it than worse for him than uh, Boston. But obviously, if if he's showing what he's still looking like he did last year at the end of spring training, then there's no question. But well, uh, I think I think it, I agree with you about the mentality aspect of it, but I think the difference this year is that there's a different plan. I think part of the reason it got to his head last year is that. You know, the club tells him going into camp, they're going to stretch him out to start. He's going into camp knowing, I I mean, I think he knew it was a competition, but, you know, it certainly wasn't set in stone that he was going to be up. But that's at the same time, here's a guy that was one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. He's certainly not expecting to not make the team. He He makes the team, goes out, and then after, I mean, 
while he wasn't good, let's be honest, the wheels only came off for him in a couple of starts at the end. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you look at his ERA, like, I think it was, it might have been just over five at the end, but, you know, it was mostly under four, and if he had pitched to that level, he would have been one of their better starting pitchers last year. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I think I think what he did is he looked around and said, "I'm the one that's getting sent down. No one's pitching well." Right. Um, so I think that, that you know he basically I remember hear, reading or hearing an interview with him where he just basically said, "Yeah, in Toronto, like his look outlook on it was, I had one bad game in Toronto and they sent me to the minors." Right. And so of course it just was just before that he had, I remember he had a really good game. I think it might have been against Detroit. Right. Where he went like right. seven seven innings maybe. Right. And Something he like that. He wasn't getting that, like, no, you were pitching well, but you had, I mean, in the majors last year, he walked 43 and struck out 38. Like, I mean, I don't, I, I guess, I don't know if it's more Ben Charrington decision, but that, that really seemed to, to, to reek of Valentine last year. A lot of those decisions, like, he just seemed, Valentine seemed very overreactive quickly. They sent down Melanson quickly, mm-hmm. um, Bard, you know, playing Gomez at third. Just, just because they don't have a third baseman, you know, just doing stuff that just seems right in the moment was sort of, you know, what, what I, how I would uh, summarize Valentine's uh, tenure last year. I think you can pin some of that on Charrington. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's Scott, I guess, yeah. Um, you know, we'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he's maybe not as quick with the trigger this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, part of that will be, you know, when you're having discussions with guys, then. You know, certainly that's going to influence you partially, but I think you know if Charrington doesn't think that's the right move, he needs to not do it. Um, also, to be fair, I mean Francona was a lot in the opposite direction, used right. to that for a while, so right. you know it it, right. it looks at a different light after uh, having Francona for so many years as manager. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I don't know. To me, the thing I think it's a different plan. I think if you tell him, look, you're going to go down. You need to keep working on the mechanics. We think the place for you to do that is Pawtucket. If you are, if things are going well, we are going to call you up on or around May fifteenth or May first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think then that's different. You're creating; it's about creating the expectation. Um, yeah, def- I would agree. That's how, how they probably will end up framing it, or, or will have to. But um, you know, I just don't like the idea saying. of him sort of being an an option. You know, a guy who has options, so he gets sent down. You know, like right. that that doesn't seem right to me. But uh, right. Well, and the thing is, is that. You know, it's very easy to send a guy down and then you just don't have a spot for him. The thing that I kind of compare it to is last year when the Red Sox moved Alex Wilson to the bullpen because they thought they were going to have a need. And then suddenly the bullpen started pitching its mind out of its mind and there was nowhere to put him. So he never got called up. Right. So, you don't I mean, I s- think that, you know, that was ultimately his path, I think, either way. So. Right. I, I don't so think they different, necessarily but, regret it, but yeah. No, I don't think they regret it either, but I'm just saying you don't want to. Maybe it's it's it might be a mistake to create too solid of an impression of we're going to call you up at this point because what do you do then? Do you DFA Clay Mortensen and hope he right. clears? It was kind of like with it seemed like that with Tazawa last year. It was like he I think he came up early in the season and then it's you know he was one of their better pitchers for a time and then the bullpen kind of got into a roll so they didn't need him and they didn't have space for him but it was like seemed like he was one of their better pitchers, and he right. spent like half the season in Pawtucket, but there's just some room. So. Well, the projections that had both, I mean, when Breslow and Morales were both healthy, there were projections that had Tozawa going down to Pawtucket now, right. even though he's yeah. probably the fourth best arm in the bullpen. I didn't, yeah, I definitely didn't agree with that, but I did see yeah. it. Yeah. But again, it's just, it's just that. It's just, well, do they cut someone to right. cut Tozawa up who may or may not do what he did last year, or, you know, what do you do? Hmm. So yeah, but th- that's that's an that's a very interesting question. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the season. Never mind just to start the year. Um, yep. Because if you, you put a guy in AAA, it's very easy to leave him there. Um, and yeah. Everyone and... stays healthy. The question is, right. does everybody stay healthy? Right. So. All right. Well, I think we've kind of tapped that out. Um, any other things we, we should mention? I know one thing you wanted to bring up was the return of Bryce Brents today to game action. Yeah, I was just going to say that, yeah. After uh, after the uh, gun gun wound, uh seems like uh, that healed up quickly, actually. I mean, I guess that could have been a lot worse. I assume it was just sort of a... Well, I think it was... I think what happened is we didn't hear about it when it happened. Right. We well, it was in it January, later. they said. Right. In, in January. So, yeah, I mean, I don't... 
you think of a gun wound and you think he could be permanently injured, you know, for, uh, right. limping the rest of his life. But I guess he uh, made it back in a game action today and actually hit a home run in the major league game. So, uh, so all, you know, all good news for, from good that, for that perspective. Yeah. Good for him. Ho- yeah, hopefully he learned something from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to get into gun safety, but it's, you know, yeah. that, that Pawtucket outfield with Bradley, Brent's, Hazel Baker, Linares, um, Alex Hassan when he gets healthy. It's mm. going to be very, very interesting to see that outfield. Um, yep. Absolutely. Gonna be very, it's going to be a very interesting Pawtucket team, really, between those guys, Iglesias. The Lamar rotation. Lane, the rotation with Webster, Hernandez, Salem, New Hampshire's Terry Doyle. Yep. Stephen, Stephen Wright. Wright. Yeah. Uh, potentially De La Rosa for, in some capacity. Well, let me ask you this then. We'll 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 we'll, send, go, we'll, we'll go out on this. What <laughs> roster? Hopefully, you're looking at the projected rosters right now. Yep, I, I am. am. I can I can go first if you want. No, what I am. What roster intrigues you most of the projected rosters right now on Sox Prospects? Soxprospects.com slash twenty thirteen. Uh, well, you can go first if you have an answer, because I'd like to look for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, it's interesting because a lot of the guys in Greenville last year that had great seasons went up to Salem. Mm-hmm. The rotation, I think rotation-wise, Portland is a little more interesting to me. But uh, I don't know. I, it might be Portland between Bogarts. It was a lot easier when we had Bradley going to Portland. I think it was a no-brainer when Bradley yeah. was going to the Portland. But I think it's it's mm. a lot. I will say it's a lot more spread out right now than I've seen it in many years. Um. I think Greenville might even have the weakest looking of the four full, of the four full season rosters. Looking at it real quick. Yeah, it seems like I mean, like, and then I want it to looks say, good. Um, it's just. Yeah, I wanted to say Salem at first, based on that lineup, but then you know, I have some interesting guys pitching, Henry Owens, but mm-hmm. um, I actually think hmm, Portland. I'm interested uh, in seeing what Kyle Stroop does in that Salem rotation this year. Yeah, that, if he can keep his ACLs together, that, that'll definitely be uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'd say actually Pawtucket, which is uh, right. something we haven't heard in years. But, uh, yeah. you know, they really have the full rotation, some some interesting guys in the bullpen, Alex Wilson, Chris Carpenter. And then, you know, pretty much everyone in the lineup is some degree of a prospect uh, besides potentially Mark Hamilton if he's in there. Uh, but, you know, Juan Carlos Linares could be in there. So, He's, you know, he's uh, at least somewhat interesting, and um, I would say, yeah, Pawtucket, and then Portland looks real nice also. Yeah. So I'm going to say Portland by the narrowest of margins. I want to see if Christian Vasquez can hit. I want to see if Xander Bogarts can stay at short. I want to see if Jacobs can have a bounce back year from his injury last year. I want to see if Peter Hissey has the year this year that we thought he was going to have last year after seeing him tear it up in spring training. I uh, actually underratedly want... Uh, you want to see what Almanzar can uh, do this year? I was going to say that next. I think no, <laughs> total fluke or uh, this will be a big year. year fluke, yeah. yeah. I mean, of his ten home runs, I think four were in the band box that is Frederick. So, oh yeah, I, I think. Well, what he had like over yeah, three exactly three hundred. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, he he had twelve home runs, and I want to say four to six of them were in the same band box of a ballpark, perhaps in the same weekend. And like a fifty-three ISO D. So I mean, it's yeah. not like he's he's not he's walking somewhat. It's Decent approach, at least. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was his uh, second full year in, in Salem. Or, no, not full year, but second year in Salem. Yep, yep. After so having two, two uh, almost two full years in Greenville, basically. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's but, definitely, uh, yeah. definitely uh, you know, uh, took a while. But let's see if it, if this last year was legitimate at all. But I, I kind of have my doubts. But, but yeah, I, I hope too. to be proved wrong, but. But, I mean, that Portland rotation to me is the big thing of Barnes, Workman, Renato, Drake Britton, if he starts the year active. Um, yeah. Keith Couch is always interesting to argue with people about. Yeah. And possibly Ruby De La Rosa. Um, I think Chris Martin in the bullpen is interesting. Uh, Miguel Celestino moving to the bullpen. I know that Mike is intrigued about Miguel Celestino out of the bullpen. Hmm. Uh, yeah, did he move last year to the bullpen or – did, no, he he started all year projecting? last year. This year, he has officially been moved into the bullpen. Okay. Um, as in, he will not be throwing four innings. At a, he might have had piggyback starts last year. Oh, right, yeah. Um, yeah, he isn't. Yeah. 
He's a, he's yeah. an interesting guy for someone you don't hear about very often. His live arm, I think if you narrow him down to a to a fastball in one pitch, that'll be interesting. I know Mike is is high on him this year. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting, but at any rate, we are we are now rambling officially. Um, we will be back in maybe a couple weeks to talk about what the boys saw down at Fort Myers. Um, I say a couple weeks because that's when I am next going to be available because my life is going to be uh, basically scheduled for me for the next couple of weeks at school. But. Yeah, I'm sure getting getting everyone together for that will be a challenge, but oh, it's fine. Should be good as long as we get it uh, done before the season starts. Maybe we'll send you down there with a tape recorder or something and have you guys just um, go to Blue Sushi, have a couple of scorpion bowls, and uh, (laughs) just do it live from there with whatever members of the Red Sox happen to be there at the same time because Blue Sushi is the greatest place in the world. (laughs) How could that go wrong? (laughs) I'm more jealous of you guys going to Blue Sushi, I think, than jealous of you guys going to spring training. Yeah, I I haven't been, and I've heard, I hear about this place nonstop, so... Uh, Remind me to send you the photos of of the sushi platters I took uh, (laughs) when I was down there. All right. All right, well... Uh, I think we're we're probably just about out of time. So um, for Matt Hegel, I'm Chris Hatfield. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys. We'll, well, we won't talk to you because it's a podcast, but you'll be hearing from us soon. Thanks for listening.